snap into it. Freak out. Everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation, this is your pal Dane Alves with another amazing, enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show where we go over uh, reviews of the shows and all the news within professional wrestling. Uh, if you're a new listener, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. We do this show uh, 7 p.m. every Thursday and then also Saturday at noon. Uh, well, if we need to have another show, I should say, which we usually do, um, both Eastern Standard Time. And uh, yeah, check out our website. Go to geekvibesnation.com. That's the uh, overall company name. Um, and go to geekvibesnation.com. You can find our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram. Look those up. Join the conversation and join Geek Vibes Nation. Thank you guys for listening, especially if you're past listeners. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about. We don't have a lot to talk about, but we have enough to provide you guys with some lovely content. So I want to thank my co-host, the co-hostess with the most-ist, uh, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Hey. Just cracked open a beer. <laughs> Thank you as well, Dane, for having me, as, as always. I'm uh, looking forward to talking about some of this wrestling. Some of it not looking forward to talk about, but we're going to anyways. So fucking let's get into it. How, how was your week so far? You know, it was one of those th- uh, one of those weeks where s- there was a stressful event at work uh, involving me making sure a customer got their goods and having issues with UPS. That was terrible, and now it's done and a- everything's okay. So I am doing lovely, if that makes sense. I am gonna have a, a nervous breakdown. Is what I'm trying to say to you, Chris. Um, please, please, please don't. <laughs> we don't, maybe we don't maybe need I'll, that in the middle of the show. <laughs> Maybe 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 I'll go and buy a like a Corvette or something. Or I always I always like Firebirds, like a '99 Firebird. That can't be that expensive or some shit. I'll, I'll have my midlife crisis in my 30s. <laughs> um, anyway, <Man. laughs> all right. Let's let's talk about some news items. This first one's kind of a I would say more minor, but uh, still pretty cool in essence. Um, so Orissa Lay Brock is uh, someone, a, a female wrestler, that is trying out with WWE. Um, she's an actress. She's a model. She has, uh, she's got, you know, a background in martial arts, and probably more importantly than anything, her father happens to be S- Steven Seagal. Um, you know, kind of a small little news item to start off with, but. Hey Chris, how would you feel if Steven Seagal's uh, daughter is molded into a female professional wrestler? Could that be a draw by itself? Just the fact that she's Steven Seagal's uh, daughter. Ooh, I don't know if that's a good draw or a comedy draw. To be honest, um, I'm assuming that she would keep her last name, right, as opposed to. I mean, I, 
it, as opposed to the Seagal last name. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We we haven't. I've never seen her wrestle. I don't know if she has any kind of training. She was invited for a tryout. Obviously, they do some training there. Um, interesting. It looks like she has size that she could be, you know, a dominant female type heel. It seems like, uh, based on her Twitter, she's got some jujitsu knowledge. So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I hope that they don't do like a Seagal gimmick on her. I don't necessarily know that. Oh that God. Go well her, but, uh, as far as like just her as a person and kind of her lo- overall look and stature, yeah, for sure. Why not? Like give her a tryout, see see what's going on, you know. Um, I, I the only thing I really know from her from the Wikipedia is that she's trained in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and that she was on a Lifetime series called Growing Up Supermodel or something. So outside of that, you know, I don't really know anything other than her being Steven Seagal's daughter. Hey, I, I actually have no idea anything about her. Uh, but if she wants to wrestle, man, you know, I, Steven Seagal might be a very, very strange individual, but he actually was a pretty uh, good martial artist. So uh, looking at the pictures, like you said, and seeing that she actually has that going for her, we could use different styles within WWE and NXT. We've, we've already been able to see some really cool uh, styles, whether it be Shayna Baszler or even Ronda when it comes to the main card. But uh, Zia Lee is also someone that kind of, you know, shows a lot of martial arts skills. So if this one has that, she has that legitimate, you know, actual background. And the fact that her dad's famous, you know, I, I don't think that could that could really hurt. Does, does uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, does, does he have a daughter that does martial arts? Maybe they could be a tag team. <laughs> I wish. That would be awesome. Um my only thing with with all of these MMA wrestlers coming up is I hope they're not all going to try to wrestle the same style. Uh, yeah, switch it up. We already we have an influx of people wrestling the MM, MMA style, even if they weren't trained MMA. Like you know, Becky does a lot of that stuff already. Ronda eventually will probably come back. You have Shayna. There's uh, other females in the wings that are in the training facility already that have a. Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. I'm fine with that, but I don't need every match to be like 75 submissions. You know what I mean? S- same goes for the uh, male wrestlers as well, so not just picking on the female performers. No, I agree with you. And uh, I thought I'd look it up just for the hell of it. Um, so maybe we will have, they can call them like the last action heroes or heroines. Uh, because <laughs> John Claude Van Damme does have a daughter who is 25 and a gymnast and a bodybuilder named Bianca Bree. WWE, call her the fuck up and get this thing going, all right? I'm helping you out right now, Hunter. <laughs> hey, can I judge? Hey, John Claude Van Damme, can, can I judge your daughter? I have, a, I have a proposition for it. No, it has nothing to do with Steven Seagal's daughter. I know you hate each other. Fuck it. Something like that. <laughs> now, now I just want to go watch Bloodsport. <laughs> <laughs> let's go wa- let's watch see the results of the, after this. Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about the results of the Kumite on maybe Monday suck or something. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, well let's talk about Mr. John Morrison, man. Um probably in I would say the most boring way possible on um WWE backstage, which I get it. They're they've been building an audience the whole CM Punk reveal because they were dying. Um and they kind of they have but I just feel like we kind of already knew that John Morrison was coming back. I, I forgot what outlet um, 
They were talking about today on The Observer. Some outlet, you know, mentioned it. John kind of made a comment that was I mean, he was denying it, but it was more – it was a tweet, basically. Like, maybe I'm not or some shit like that. Uh, he was seen at a takeover. Um, I think it was a takeover. Maybe it was just normal NXT. So we all thought that this was going to happen. But either way, now it's confirmed from Ryan Satin on this show, WWE Backstage, John Morrison – uh, friend of the show, uh, good dude. We got the chance to interview him. Really, really cool guy. Um, is going to be on uh, WWE. So, what do you think about this, Chris? Um, and I guess the main question is, where do you want to see him? Do you want to see him on SmackDown, Raw, or NXT? I mean, right now, I would say probably NXT. I think that he would have a big impact there. Um, I don't know. I mean, they teased him being in NXT. We reported this back in like September. And from what I recall, the Observer basically said that contract was pretty much done. So I don't know if they just finalized the details of the financials. But I think the big surprise for, at least for me, was that he was doing a bunch of stuff on Be The Elite. Like him and his wife both were on Be The Elite and doing stuff there. And then we heard about that potential contract signing or contract signing at the time. Uh, and then nothing ever happened except for he showed up on NXT that one time. Um, and maybe they held off to make it a big news story. I don't know, but this seems like something that was already done that we had already, we've, I mean, me and you have even like, I think he was one of the p- people that I speculated you could bring in as Ciampa's mystery guy for war games. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot so, of people thought that. So, it, you know, it, it's cool. I like John Morrison. Like you said, friend of the show. I think he's a phenomenal wrestler i'm looking forward to seeing him back it's just his style and everything um if if he had to go to a main roster show i would say probably smackdown i guess would be where i'd prefer to see him at currently unless they're going to push him to the top right away it's just right now you have such a weird thing going on and on raw with lesnar being gone and ray being kind of the top champion and the top feud being seth and kevin owens that i don't know where you would fit him in to that show. So that would be the one show I would want to see him on, but preferably I'd like to see him on, uh, you know, NXT working with Riddle and Ciampa and Adam Cole, or maybe even becoming a member of Undisputed Era or doing something uh, weird like that. I think he's a great heel. So there's a lot of different ways to use him, but yeah, it's awesome signing. It's one, like I said, I think we, I'm pretty sure that, that that signing was confirmed back in September. I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the show and read through our notes, but like I was surprised when they released it as it was like something that no one knew about. Um, but obviously they got to get the ratings over on that show or whatever. But uh, another thing is like, did you see Stephen Amell's appearance from that show? No. Oh, was he on there? Yeah. So he was also on the show. So they did a couple of things on backstage this week, uh, just kind of talking about, you know, wrestling and, and uh, his thoughts on the current product and where he's at with his career. Nothing, you know, groundbreaking. It's just kind of, you know, he's also doing the wine thing with AEW and Chris Jericho right now. That's the the little bit of the bubbly sparkling wine is actually made by his vineyard. So I was a little surprised to see that, but yeah, cool overall. I mean, um, yeah. So backstage had some interesting things. It's just, it's on a Tuesday and it's at 11 at night. I'm usually asleep by then. Tuesday's yeah, like exactly. power, <laughs> power, and then uh, AEW Black, and then bedtime. 
Yeah, I mean, I try to watch Impact, and I always end up fucking passing out because it's it's hard to watch four hours straight of wrestling. Oy. Anyways, um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. Um, it's interesting. It's like if you put them in certain places, I'm looking at it with potential feuds a little bit in mind, which who knows exactly what would happen. I also wonder, you know, when, if, if it, say that they're not going to have him go to NXT, that he's going to either Raw or SmackDown, would they make his debut at the Royal Rumble, you know, because he kind of has a little, you know, he's kind of known for his weird shit that he's done in the past of, of, of the Royal Rumble. Um, I, don't, I hope not. I would hope that they would just utilize him now and put him on one of these shows and just try to, like, get him into some stuff. Uh, on Raw, there's two people in general. One that he's worked with, and we know he has great chemistry, and if you get him in a program together, unless WWE fucks it up, which sometimes they do, uh, look at AJ and Samojo, or AJ and Shinsuke Nakamura for that factor, um, but Ricochet and fucking John Morrison could really bring out some good stuff in each other, and they already work well. We already know that from Lucha Underground with Prince Puma and uh, Johnny Mundo. Um, uh, then there's also AJ Styles, which I, I feel like is somewhat of a dream match between the two of them. And they've never really struck paths. They've always kind of been in opposite places. On SmackDown, though, trying to think. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe he could get he could be finally be the person to get Dolph Ziggler out of obscurity and just get some good matches out of him. But one thing I will say about uh, John Morrison is that I don't think he was the greatest, at least when I was watching him at first, before I kind of trailed off, like, on the mic when he was in WWE. I think that throughout the last couple of years, a lot of people have said, and I can agree, that he's become more of a character and, and beyond just doing really, you know, agile moves and, and, and using parkour within his style. Uh, the, the The thing is, I feel like with NXT, Chris, he has the best chance of becoming a world heavyweight champion out of the three. And I really hope that they don't, you know, push him down a peg. Kofi Kingston is another person I'd love to see him work with, too, and he's on SmackDown. Um, I would hope that he would be able to get a shot for either title on, on Raw or SmackDown. I just, uh, with with how competitive is right now um, and how they've, you know, treated him in the past, I also don't think that that would probably happen out of the three brands. I could see him with the NXT title, and that's pretty interesting. But like I said, him and AJ and him and Ricochet, that's proven good. And then also on the other end, um, him and uh, ooh, him and Shinsuke, that's kind of an interesting pairing. There's some interesting things on Raw and SmackDown, but I think, like you were saying, in a very, very roundabout way, I, I would prefer him to be on NXT. Do you have any follow-ups? Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, there's more potential for great matches from him on NXT. I think he could easily step in and be a top heel if they decide to move Undisputed Air or do something like that. Um, I think there's enough recognition there with what he's done in, in Lucha Underground and AAA and uh, Impact and even WWE in the past uh, that you could build him as a top heel easily. Um the thing about as much as I would like to see him work against Ricochet again, it's like Ricochet right now, his stock is just fucking nowhere. Uh, 
man, I and he was he's been on my top ten favorite wrestlers multiple years when we do our year year end. Um, and right now, I find it really hard to put him there just because of how they booked him, honestly. And the uh, superhero shit. Like, if I'm John Morrison, I don't want necessarily to have that match at all. Because uh, you kind of come off as like a mid-card guy. Uh, I, yeah, so it, that's the only thing about that feud. As far as the actual matches, I'm sure they'd be awesome. Like, him and AJ Styles is an intriguing um, on Raw. But, yeah, to me, just like the thought of him and Daniel Bryan or him and Kofi or him and... Uh, even someone like The Fiend, um, I think that that could be fun uh, all around. Or him and Miz, even if, you know, they tag for a yeah. little bit and he turns heel again or something. Like, there's some good potential stuff on SmackDown. But like I said, like, any of the guys that he would be re- – like, him and Matt Riddle, for instance, on NXT, like, that'd be fucking awesome. Or him and Kushida. Like, there's so many kind of dream yeah. matchups that I would prefer to see on NXT, so I'd, I'd pivot him there. And also, like I said, you know, like – as far as TV schedules and stuff goes, he hasn't really worked a full-time WWE schedule in a long time. He's done a lot of world traveling. We talked about that on our podcast where he's kind of been all over the place, but not to the extent of like a top card guy like Seth Rollins and WWE and what that schedule entails. And I wonder if you'd even really want to do that, to be honest. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, especially when his – you know, uh, wife is in another promotion most time in Canada going back and forth. So uh, it's it's interesting, but uh, I'm definitely happy to see John Morrison confirmed because this is WWE and they had to announce it because things don't exist until they announce it. Uh, either way, I'm happy that John's coming to either Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. Uh, let's move on to the next uh, thing. This is kind of an interesting one, uh, Chris. Charlotte Flair and Andrade uh, filed, um, whatchamacallit, uh, interesting non-WWE trademarks. So what they trademark, uh, Andrade trademarked uh, uh, El Idolo, and then also trademarked uh, La Sombra, which was his old name when he was a luchador in CMLL. And uh, whatchamacallit, Charlotte Flair uh, trademarked Ashley Flair. so, just interesting. I, I feel like this might be some advice from her father. Um, you know, I think Cody is a good example of someone that got kind of a bit screwed. I mean, I thing is, his their last name is Runnels, but the fact that Dusty Rhodes was Dusty Rhodes, and then of course Vince took the fucking trademark for the last name uh, is kind of bush league a bit. But you know, that's. That's that's just how it works, basically. So I think it's smart. I don't think that they have any plans of going anywhere else. I just think that this was them trying to cover their asses. And we also know that Luke Harper recently trademarked uh, Brody Lee, his old persona. Uh, so I'm assuming if he's leaving WWE once his contract is done, which I uh, would assume, yeah, um, that, that he's going to go back to his old alias. Uh, what do you think about Ashley? Well, I mean, her name is Ashley. What do you think about Charlotte and Andrade trademarking the names that they trademark and also Luke Harper? With Luke Harper, I think it makes a lot of sense to go ahead and try to trademark whatever he can, because he seems like he's on his way out as soon as that contract's up. Unfortunately, I think he's still got two years left. Uh, I think last time we talked about him after, and and they're probably going to tack on the six months he was gone. So let's say three years. Uh, just to be safe. Um, 
But after that, I'm assuming that he's going to work, want to work elsewhere. So trademarking that name makes a lot of sense for him. For uh, for for Charlotte and Andrade, I don't think that they're going to go anywhere. Like I'm pretty sure she's still locked into a deal. This could be part of, like you said, maybe some advice from other wrestlers or uh, you know people that they know. As far as if you go ahead and trademark your shit like this, it does point to, hey, we're not afraid to leave if we need to. Which is a negotiation uh, negotiation chip uh, with Andrade. They need to do something with him soon. Uh, he's they give him wins and everything, but he's not ever gotten an actual push per se, as far as I'm concerned, on the main roster. And if I was him, I might be thinking of uh, you know maybe going somewhere where you work like once a week, <laughs> as opposed to traveling all over the country and then working a battle royal and the uh, kickoff show. So I would probably do something with him sooner rather than later because I think he's a great talent. Um, but yeah, I, I, what you said makes a lot of sense. It's going ahead and getting that out there. Like I said, whether it's a bargaining chip or whether they're going to do something on YouTube, I think you know Xavier Woods did this. He uh, he also I think he his actual name Austin Creed he trademarked for the YouTube stuff so that he would still own rights. I think to his YouTube content, even though it's sponsored by WWE. So he would always get a cut of that. And I, I think Kevin Steen still has the licensings for Kevin Steen. There's a few others that are out there that are like that as well. But I, it does make a lot of sense. And you point back to Cody Rhodes and you're like, he's still going by Cody, <laughs> which is which is just so stupid. It's just give the guy his damn name. Um, but, yeah, at least with, you know, Charlotte, I don't. she's never going to get put in that position because, like, even if it's just spelled different on TV – her last name is still just Flair. You know, it's just how you yep. pronunciate the last name. So <laughs> she has at least the benefit over over most other wrestlers. Uh, but yeah, like I, it's it's interesting. I don't think there's a lot. That, I think they're you know, I don't ever see Charlotte leaving WWE, just because I feel like she'll always be pushed at the top. She's like what a ten time female champion at this point. I think so. Yeah. So it would take a lot. Yeah, I mean, and she's always going to have kind of a spot in WrestleMania, and she's always going to be pushed as a top person until they find someone bigger and better than her. But God, uh, can we just get Tessa versus Charlotte? (laughs) That would be awesome. You know, it's almost like WWE had a chance to sign her and didn't. Uh. (laughs) Well, I know WWE. Yeah, that's the fucked up part. They did like three times. But I know that WWE and AEW are both gunning for her once her contract's out with Impact. Yeah, I wonder uh, if she'd want to go work with her dad, <laughs> who's already probably, in Probably, I would assume. Well, and not only that, her stepdad. Uh, doesn't doesn't uh, Magnum do a lot of shit there, too? Um, I think so. I think he's an I, agent. I, I, mean, I, I think he's an agent. Yeah, I don't have everything pulled up with him, but it's not, that <laughs> sounds right. Oh, just uh, to let yeah, you know, but, Chris? I looked up the yes, intro uh, with Luke Harper. Dave Metzler said this back in September, and he was talking about um, if Luke Harper signed a new deal when he was doing all that shit with uh, Eric Rowan and their team. And he said that he that currently he didn't, and that apparently after everything, he's, he's going to be up sooner, but it's April 2020 because he had to wait for a six-month extension uh, when it was up. And I think it was supposed to be up – was it – well, I don't. I can't do the math right now in my head. But so it looks like he is will that, be up soon. 
so is that including the tacked on dates though that WWE is going to throw on there? That's where it gets weird because the the quote is there's also, currently no word on what Harper intends to extend his stay with the company. His current contract is set to expire in April of 2020. That was like the statement he made, I think. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the, the crazy thing they're doing with contracts right now, like they're trying to lock everyone into five year deals. That's what Smocked I've heard. Up recently and if you get locked into a five-year deal with wwe and let's say you're you're a canalis or a mike bennett um that's a good chunk of your best years (laughs) yeah i mean five years that's pretty much i mean in some cases that's a wrestler's entire career depending on when they get to wwe uh yeah if they're in their mid-30s fuck yeah i know that there's been a lot of talk about I mean, specifically from like Dave and Brian Alvarez, highly suggesting that these wrestlers really, if they have the the swing, to make sure they're only selling like or signing like eighteen month deals, kind of like what Rey Mysterio did. Which, speaking of, his contract will be up soon as well. I'm assuming that he's going to resign, and because they're working out something with Dominic, but that's another interesting story as far as contracts go. Yep, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, definitely uh, just interesting things. And, um, you know, I just want to see Luke Harper actually get some good years within a company that he actually enjoys wrestling for. I don't really give a shit what it is. I like to see him go to New Japan, honestly, if if that's just me. But uh, regardless, I'd like to see him the fuck out of WWE because he's not having fun there. Uh, All right, so I'm kind of worried. You're kind of worried. I think that we all have reason to worry if you are. Uh, It's an awesome thing, uh, but at the same time, kind of scary. They're me- they're, me- they're moving uh, Dio Madden from the Raw commentating team, and Samoa Joe will now be uh, officially a main person for commentating along with Jerry and um, Vic Joseph. Uh, and he's also obviously one of the main um, personalities, uh, broadcasters on uh, WWE Backstage, along with um, Renee Young, Christian, Paige, and Booker T and all of them. So um, they're giving him a lot of work. He's great at commentating. You know, there's a lot of comparisons within wrestling of, of, of him and the submission suplex machine Taz as far as stylistically coming off intimidating, uh, being a big primary wrestler for their companies, respectively, with TNA and ECW. Um, and then also just their, their demeanor. But Another concept, and I hope this is not true, Taz slowly just retired and didn't really kind of have an exit. He kind of just stopped. And he started commentating, and he was great at it, actually. Um, I've always liked Taz, at least. I know that some people don't. But Samoa Joe is showing a lot of, of good stuff, I would say, with commentating. I just hope that he doesn't have a bigger injury that we don't know about, and this is going to be a slow, uh, quiet exit out of wrestling because – Sucks that I'll never see him with the damn title. Um, I'd love to see him at least have, like, one last big match, if that were to be the case. Maybe this is just jumping the gun. Um, I just really, really, really like Samoa Joe. He's a, he's a badass, man. He's fucking Harley Race tough, dude. He's a, he's a you know, he's a, he's a man's man, if you will. And he's smart as hell, and he's a great heel. He's great on the mic. He's a great babyface, great wrestler, and he's a big dude. So, I don't know. Chris, are, are you worried at all from, um, you know, that announcement that it's great that he's going to be now full-time commentator for Raw, but what the fuck does that mean for his wrestling career? 
I'm worried. I've been worried about Samoa Joe for a while because I think he's well, he was out for a thumb injury, right? I think you, that's what you said. And this was back during King of the Ring. So what, late August, early September? And it's December now. And they have him on the FS1 show, and now they're moving him to commentary. It does almost seem like they're winding him down. Um, And I don't know if that's necessarily his choice. And obviously they can always do – if they can utilize Joe on commentary and build him to big matches through that role, kind of like what they used to do with Jerry Lawler, then fine. Like I don't know that Joe needs to be on every single show wrestling everyone all the time. Um, But he's easily one of the best damn wrestlers they have in their company and one of the best people on the fucking mic as a heel. So it just sucks to kind of lose him and not really get – payoffs on a lot of the feuds I think we wanted to see, like Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe or, or AJ, even a good AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe program. Um, it, as far as Dio Madden goes, he was at the Performance Center for like three years. The rumor is that Vince didn't really like him. On, him Vince and uh, Kevin Kelly didn't really like him on commentary. Uh, and they sent him, sent him to, get, I guess, get more training. And then he decided, I guess, hey, I'm going to try the wrestling thing one more time. I've never actually seen a match of his, so I'm pretty sure he's only done like house shows and dark matches. I'm assuming. Um, best of luck to that. Yeah, guy. I didn't think that he was. He's a trainee from uh, Booker T school. He's one of Booker's kids. Yeah, but yeah, he's only got like a little bit of dark matches and shit. I mean, he's got great size, and uh, I, I think that you know if the, if if the training's there, he's got a good look and good size. And I think you could do something with him. Obviously. I don't, like I said, I just don't know how good he is in the ring, how much he has left. I like how much he has in the tank. I know he played professional football at one point in time. I don't yeah. know if he quit with injury or I've just never seen him wrestle. Hopefully everything goes well for him. I just didn't think he was that bad on commentary. Like I thought he was fine. He wasn't like a glaring problem. Uh, or two, anything two like questions that as far quick. as wrong goes. All right, with, with, with Dio, my question is, do you think that maybe when we had that visual of of him sizing up to Brock, do you think that this might be Vince thinking, we need to put him back in the Performance Center, or do you think it was his decision? And also, with Samoa Joe, uh, you brought up a good point, Chris. You know, I was comparing it to Taz, where he, he had to retire, but he just kept it quiet and just jumped to commentary. Could this actually be like a Randy Savage thing, where Joe doesn't really want to retire, but Vince doesn't see anything else that he can do with him for God knows what fucking reason and is trying to, you know, retire him himself, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the interesting question. I feel like there's still, even if you, even if, like I said, I, I would hope that Vince would see the, the, the potential that Joe still has. And even if he's working a, a limited schedule, you could build feuds out of the commentary booth uh, pretty easily with Samoa Joe and other people, um, especially if he starts doing interviews, kind of like Michael Cole used to do in the ring. I think there's things that you can build out of that. I, I don't know, man. That's It's such a weird thing. I do kind of see like that Vince may be pushing him to do this, but I don't I don't know that – You know, I, I still think you're going to get more Samoa Joe matches, but this does seem like kind of a wind down. I would compare it like to what they did with Jerry Lawler and, and kind of Bret Hart um, and even Macho Man to some extent, like you said, but I don't know that it's that he's forcing Joe to do this. I feel like if that was the case, then Joe would have probably bitched about it 
at some point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Joe doesn't seem like the kind of guy that wouldn't yeah. say anything if he was being forced on a commentating team. Um, so if it's just that he's going to be working a more limited schedule and he's great on the mic, so I'm assuming he's probably going to be great on commentary. Uh, so far, so good. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll see how that plays out. The weird part is, is like him and Corey Graves are basically going to be filling the same role. And it's kind of my problem with three commentators in general. I, I just don't know necessarily the need for it, but uh, uh, man, Joe's Joe's pretty great. I just wish he was full time wrestler. I wish they would have put the title on him when he had that match with Brock and attacks Paul Heyman. There's a lot of uh, things that would change about Joe's run so far, but it, he has been plagued with injury over the past year, year and a half like gone for, you know, three or four months at a time. So we'll see, man. But uh, with Dio Madden stuff is interesting. I would love to see them do something with him. And hopefully he, he shows that he's good enough at the performance center that they can utilize him. Um, I know he tweeted out that he wanted to retire Brock Lesnar. I just don't, unless that's just a squash match, I don't ever see that <laughs> coming to fruition. Uh, but Ugh. yeah. Yeah, uh, hearing about Brock's uh, parent opponents at WrestleMania. I don't. I, I will say it probably because we're not going to get into this, but the rumors are true. If if it's all about if uh, which I don't see uh, uh, Tyson Fury winning, but if he were to win, that's where they'd want to do Tyson. But if not, they want to do Kane. I don't mind him and Kane having a third match at WrestleMania. I mean, especially if you get the title not involved. But please don't do Tyson Fury and Brock Lesnar. That's just fucking dumb. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, but what if, like, Deontay Wilder knocks out Tyson Fury and they do Deontay versus Brock instead? All right, I'm kind of down for that more so. Uh, <laughs> no, no, nothing no, against I'll, the Gypsy I'll, King, but... Are they, are they just, like, allergic to him fighting the Fiend? Because I'm pretty sure that's... To me, that's what they've been building more than anything else, is they're making The Fiend the unbeatable monster that would, ne- like, probably fight the beast. Uh, so I, I don't know. Bro, if I had it my way, uh, Brock would somehow lose the title, kind of go into obscurity for a little while. Um, and then Matt Riddle, in the meantime, would get the NXT belt, and then Brock would show up with Paul Heyman at some NXT right before Mania, and call out Riddle and say that he wanted to have every fucking title, um, and then they would go at it. But that's never going to happen, so, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll probably get him in Tyson Fury instead, which will be a great fucking match. It'll be as good as Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin for the retirement of Kurt Angle last year. This is, I mean, this is more fantasy booking than anything else, but what if you did something like a, uh, a playoff system to get into the Elimination Chamber? Instead of just like these are the guys that are in the elimination chamber, you beat Brock there. And since Brock is basically does whatever the fuck he wants because he's Brock, you have him face the Fiend on the SmackDown brand. And then you have you make a big star from NXT in the elimination chamber. Maybe you have them win some playoff matches and you can do some stuff to cross promote NXT with the main roster. Like, I think that's an easy thing to do. You take the belts off Brock at elimination chamber, he's got to fight six other dudes. You, you throw Braun in there and some other opponents that he might have problems with, and you just have someone get like a roll-up pin on Brock or something at the very end of it, and then it doesn't make Brock look weak, and then Brock can do whatever the hell he wants from there. 
because he's not going to get that match. Let's say you just have someone from Raw win it, win the Rumble, then you don't have to worry about Brock being the champion at Mania, and you can still do the Bray match if you want to go that route. It's interesting. It definitely is. It's uh, they could do a lot of stuff, and I like that. And I'm hoping what happens with all this, you know, Royal Rumble, they've already confirmed that they're going to have NXT participants. But, like, you know, kind of what you're suggesting, putting an NXT person in the Elimination Chamber or, uh, you know, maybe when we get down to uh, Money in the Bank, uh, doing something like that. Keeping the NXT title maybe as a or either the women's or the men's or maybe even sometimes the tag teams on a big card um, since they're going to be doing less pay-per-views and just individual outside of uh, what they normally do with the Survivor Series, uh, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. So... Any type of incorporation with that, I do like. And uh, any good way to get Brock in that situation, that would be cool. But like I said, I want Matt Riddle and Brock Lesnar. Fuck, I want Matt Riddle and Goldberg. I don't even give a shit anymore. Give me that fucking match. Let me see Matt Riddle, like like Goldberg, try to do something stupid, and then Matt Riddle fucking just break his goddamn ankle. All right, now we're rambling. Let's move on to um, the one of the last news things that we have. There's a lot of news that, that's happened. But um, kind of cool, something for us to, to ponder, to chew on, if you will, Chris. Uh, but uh, Harold Meiji, the uh, New Japan president, uh, recently made a statement, um, you know, about involvement with other companies and, and working with them, uh, and specifically with AEW. Uh, so this was his statement about that. We're very open to working with anyone. We don't exclude anyone. But it does take time to create that trust between companies. And right now, AEW is still in the exploratory phase. They're trying to establish themselves as a brand. What is that brand? They're about one year in, and we're starting to see what their brand is all about. Then we'll have to see if that brand fits our brand, of course. I do also believe the likes of AEW is good for the industry because it puts a lot of new money into the industry and a lot of people might be getting more interested in pro wrestling. People who might not have been interested in AEW hadn't been or hadn't been when it was established. So it can only be good for the industry. So that was his quote. Um, before I pass it to you, so there's a couple of things in this. Um, I'm not saying it's a cheap shot, but like the whole exploratory phase, guys, your American counterparts is Ring of Honor, and they're on fire right now, and not like the, the good fire. Like there's a lot of fucking smoke. So there's that. Um, and I think no matter what, even if there's been issues here and there for AEW, even if the rating stuff, which we'll talk about later, with last week, you know, there's no, there's no comparison, but this is a positive statement for pa- fans of New Japan and AEW, and let's see all this involvement of the, the people that were working together that would be AEW, the elite, you know, all those guys, working with Ring of Honor and New Japan, which they were all employed into, and other outlets to make All In to begin with was pretty fucking special. Obviously, we've said it a million times, Master Square Garden, New Japan, Ring of Honor. Uh, I don't think that, that their sales would have been as tremendous if people didn't assume that Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny were going to be a part of that. Um, 
but there is this relationship, and there's a lot of wrestlers that we like, and the the concept of, hey, Kenny goes to New Japan and gets to do a little bit more there since he left on very, very negative terms. Um, you know, I was hearing a breakdown with uh, a lot of the stuff. I didn't realize a lot of New Japan, or, or I should say wrestling culture in Japan, but, like, uh, within New Japan, like, it's a normal thing, I guess, for at Wrestle Kingdom, if there's a new winner and champion, you have some type of shot where one where the uh, the loser opponent is looking at the champion in the ring or something like that, and they didn't do that for Kenny. Kenny wasn't bringing uh, uh, the belt to press conferences. You know, um, the Unbucks, uh, they've already been very, very verbal about their problem with management over there and just having issues, and, uh, you know, remember, they were on that card, they all lost their titles, and then they they weren't at the New Year's show the next night, and there was a lot of tension that was put out there between the company and the guys from the Elite, also Cody, obviously, and I'm hoping that they can mend fences. I think that that's what a lot of wrestling fans want. We want to see, like I said, can you go over there? For a couple months, Naito come over here for a couple months. Put them in a storyline. Let them work and shit like that. Kind of, in a way, what NXT is doing with possibly main roster people, like having Finn Balor for a time period is what's, what Triple H is making it sound like. And then maybe Kevin Owens comes in for like six months and does a couple programs here and there. I think that would be awesome. And it could only help straighten things. And for God's sakes, I want to see Okada on American fucking television. Uh, that's not impact <laughs> that I never saw, but I just know of, and that wasn't that great, but um, good words, kind of a little jabby jabs, but it seems like everyone's doing that, AEW doesn't have problems uh, doing jabs, you know, WWE doesn't either, but whatever, how do you analyze the statement, Chris, and do you think this is more of a closer concept that outside of, uh, you know, their, 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 um, their work with that Chinese organization, I forgot what it's called, obviously AAA, a little bit of MLW, that maybe AEW could be branching out eventually to New Japan. And with the contract with Ring of Honor, could New Japan even do that, or do they have the keepsake and all? What do you think, basically, with all this? I mean, the thing with New Japan is they don't need AEW. If they're not worried about the American market, they don't need AEW as much as AEW kind of needs them. Uh, they're absolutely stacked with that right I now. I agree. I agree. And but but I, I just remembered. Remember that they're they're starting an American um, what you call it? Uh, uh, what the fuck? Uh, American version of themselves over here, connected with their LA dojo. Yes. So they're gonna have. Some guys coming over here, I'm assuming, that are big names. That's, I'm just giving you some like more reasoning of why that would make sense, because I do agree with you. Yeah, and I, I was going to get to that uh, also. That, that's, none of that is televised, as far as I know right now. They're not, that's not going to be on Access or anything. So that's not TV stuff. But if they're trying to get people into buildings, then maybe that relationship makes sense. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, this is going to happen because Okada versus Omega is still a money match, right? So I feel like eventually they'll put that shit aside and you'll have Okada versus Omega again. Um, And there's some other dream matches there. If Jericho goes as champion of AEW, he's going to have to – he's facing Tanahashi soon, right? Yes, he's facing Tanahashi soon. So if he goes – 
Yeah, so if he goes to Wrestle Kingdom and he takes a loss to Tanahashi, a clean loss, as good faith, then maybe that is what establishes the trust that they're talking about. And that's when you see all of this stuff kind of start coming to fruition. Um, that would be my guess. Because I, I don't think Jericho is losing the belt before Wrestle Kingdom. Like, that seems highly unlikely. That would be January. And I also don't see him beating Tanahashi as AEW champion. So I'm assuming he takes a loss there, and then maybe that builds to it, builds to that relationship. Um, but, you know, Kenny is still one part of the Golden Lovers, is known for his matches with Omega. If you put Omega and Okada in America on an AEW pay-per-view, I'm sure that thing will do very, very fucking well across the, the world. Um it's, it's just one of those things like with Vince, there's too much money to be made to just immediately say no to it. But to me right now where AEW is in comparison to where New Japan is, uh, they would need the help more. So the favors have to kind of go both ways. You're going to need someone like Chris Jericho to go in and, and do a job on a major show like Wrestle Kingdom to Tanahashi. Now, if that happens, then... I don't see why they won't be able to work this shit out. I'm assuming they will just because, like I said, I think there's just way too much money to be made. And that is what makes the world go around, people. So that's exactly what I think as well. If there's money to be made, you know, it just makes sense uh, for some type of I – think, I think everyone wins because Japan's trying – like you said, they're doing live shows here. They're trying to expand their market over here. I mean, maybe eventually in the future, based on what they're doing, they could get some of this on access or, or some type of deal or maybe just put it on uh, their New Japan thing. Trying to get the American audience into their product is the main thing. Um, and a lot of the relationship, I would say, with Kenny Omega and Okada, there's a lot of people like myself that kind of jumped into it when a lot of that was going on and it started getting popular. So if they're trying to expand with the American audience over here, uh, and you have kind of, uh, I mean, it, 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 a little bit to do with it, I would believe, is that we have NXT. NXT is doing pretty pretty well by itself, and they're trying to do this global localization. We know that one of the next places they're wanting to go to is Japan. They've been trying to buy up other big companies over there and have been turned down, but that's obviously a place. So I'm just saying they're they're I think that they're 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 checkmating. I don't know if I'm right with that because I don't know shit about chess. But like New Japan wants to station over here now and try to make some profit over in the states, like they've already been doing, but like make it bigger. Send some guys over here that they're not working with as much and try to expand and create their own talent, much like with the performance centers uh, for each NXT place with the dojo over in LA. That uh that um what's his name um. Shibata is trading at. Uh, so a relationship with AEW it, it seems like a smart thing to publicize some of these new stars and especially let people know that these other stars are also here. Come check out New Japan. We're doing these dates. Then their product can popular, you know, with popularity rising, can possibly get another get a, a show for the American audience with their American product or whatever they want to fucking do. Basically, what I'm trying to say is. Everyone wins. And then we get some awesome wrestling matches and some awesome, you know, we get Will Ospreay for like a little while or just for one pay-per-view coming over here to fight someone else, you know. Stuff like that could definitely happen, and I hope it does. But still with the comments, I'm just going to hold my breath just because I know that there is some bad blood between 
the basically the people that are in charge of AEW minus Tony <laughs> Khan, who's probably the most important, and also the management and and uh, and some of the wrestlers of New Japan. So I get it. But business is business. Money makes the world around. Any last statement we, before we have you move to, on? Yeah, we just have to trust in La Champion to go over there and set a good example to convince New Japan to work with AEW. I mean, I'm still – when we originally started talking about this, when AEW was spinning up, my thought was, well, fucking WWE should figure out a way how to get that done before AEW. <laughs> like, as far as working with another agree. promotion, like – why would you, especially if they're already salty at AEW? The thing is, like, the way Vince does business isn't really that respected in Japan, as we have saw from him trying to buy Stardom uh, and Pro Wrestling Noah. All of those deals kind of fell through. Um, but, man, I think this is one you kind of just swing for the fences for if you're WWE. I mean, who doesn't want to see, like – Okada versus Seth Rollins in a 30-minute match at Mania or something and trade back and forth at Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I think that would be cool in a bigger stage. And I know Okada has said that he would love to work WrestleMania, but he's never going to leave Japan. I know he said he, he would love to work more shows in America. So there's definitely I, – I think there's still potential there to get something done. My, my entire thing was just like, if you're WWE, why are you not just sending boatloads of money to try to make this happen before – it happens with AEW, but it seems like, you know, Jericho, like I said, I think if he does that job to Tanahashi at Russell Kingdom, there's good faith that builds trust. And uh, like you noted earlier, Ring of Honor is a fucking trash fire right now <laughs> with all the comments about upper management um, from Joey Mercury and everything that's going around and Jay Lethal being injured. They're not really having a strong top of the card. Um, so many people's yeah. contracts about to get out. <laughs> Let's see. Yes. All their new stars, Bandito, Rush, they all they all signed a year. Uh, PCO, Brody King, Marty Scrolls about to uh, – he just finished this last month. He has one more pay-per-view that he's got to be at, and that's it. They, they at Flip Gordon's coming up soon. All their major talents outside of fucking Cheeseburger and Bubba Ray Dudley are fucking going. So – that's uh, it's very interesting. I don't want to. I don't want anything bad to happen to a company like Ring of Honor, but it's fucking crazy. And a lot yeah, of them and it, to um, themselves. Unfortunately for them, they've been cannibalized for so long. They're kind of like they've been like the ECW for a long period. And of it's time not like Sinclair doesn't have a lot of fucking money they could have put into the goddamn product and invested into it. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to – that roster is going to thin out. I mean, a lot of those guys, some of them will probably go back to AAA or CMLL. But in some cases, like with Flip Gordon, who's friends with the elite, or with Marty Scroll, who is part of the elite, I mean, those are almost guaranteed to be going to AEW. You know, there's just certain ones yeah. there where you're like, well, they're gone regardless. Like that, that's that deal's already done. That the contracts have probably already been talked about. They're pretty much signed as soon as their shit's up. Um, and that's really going to leave them with like the Briscoes, <sighs> Jay Lethal, PCO will probably resign. I think he had some loyalty there because they gave him a push. Uh, 
probably Ray Dudley, like you said. And then I'm trying to think. I guess the next biggest person Beer City there would Bruiser, be um... Beer, Beer City. Friend of the show, Beer City Bruiser. Shut up. <laughs> God damn. Um, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna, their roster is probably going to get depleted. Hopefully they can build it back up. But uh, if you're in New Japan, that's something you should be a little worried about. Uh, the fact that Impact is on access now, are you going to keep your TV rights if you're not as popular in America now that the Elite is gone? I think these are all things that factor in. But I think, like I said, to me, Chris Jericho is going to do a job to Tanahashi, and then this shit might just work itself out. I could be completely wrong. They could go to a no contest, but uh, uh, smart money points to Jericho losing. So if you're a betting, if you're a betting fan, if you bet on wrestling, maybe maybe bet on Tanahashi to win that match. <laughs> yeah it's very very interesting anyways uh let's move on to our final uh topic that we have to say uh and that is kind of like a i would say a review of uh the nwa uh, uh nwa power uh first season they're about to start their pay-per-view and then i think in january or february they're going to start shooting their next season. So kind of cool little mini seasons. I've definitely enjoyed uh, power for the most part, but I'll just kind of give you Chris, all the big, I would say highlights or statements Um, within all of this. I I have realized that question mark, which I'm pretty sure is that weird guy that his name begins with a J Jorsificus. I don't remember the fuck. Um, I'm pretty sure that's him. It's Josephus. It's Josephus. Josephus. It's like Bo, Bo, it's like Bocephus if you're a uh, a fan of Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> I think that's what they're going Bo for Cephas. there. Well, good old Joe, I'm pretty sure is a question mark. He's really fucking over with the fans. I think it's kind of funny. All right, so we found out that there's going to be at the uh, pay-per-view, the championship match is going to be James Storm and Nick Aldis. Uh, they both, it's going to be a two out of three, and they both picked referees. Um, one of them is Brian Hefner, which is who Nick picked, or no, who James picked. Uh, and then uh, Nick picked uh, Tim Storm. So I guess James' brother, Tim. They're not really brothers. I'm just kidding. Uh, so that's going to be uh, cool. Um, I'm trying to think. We also found out about at WrestleCade, which uh, uh, Hoyt and Jeffrey are at. Uh, got to see the great Muda go against uh, Nick for the title, which is pretty awesome. And... Uh, Bad news, Barrett himself, Wade Barrett, is now going to be the commentator that's going to be replacing Jim Cornette on the show. Uh, I didn't know much about him as a wrestler, but when I was trying to watch World of Sport, I, he was actually really good on the mic as far as a commentator because he's one of the main guys. So interesting individual. I don't know if he can't wrestle or anything like that, but, I mean, he's he's good-looking dude. He's big. He's, he's good on the mic. Maybe he'll uh, end up getting in the ring. I have no idea. Biggest news item, I would say, Chris, Rock and Roll Express, I believe they are now the either the seventh or eighth uh, uh, time NWA Tag Champions, um, and that was that was a pretty damn good match and the uh, main event. Uh, you know, a lot of us knew about this ahead of time because I don't have self control, and the internet told me, um, but still pretty awesome. And uh, you know, they might be pretty old. At this point, but they're still kicking ass, and that was pretty awesome. But I really enjoyed this season of Power. Looking forward to the next one, and I gotta make it. I, I gotta make my way to the tapings 
uh, and definitely one of the pay-per-views. But I uh, really love what Billy Corgan's doing. He needs to get some more money and funding into that uh, because he, d- he even said it's not sustainable uh, the way that they're doing it. So hopefully that happens because I want to see NWA continue doing their thing. And uh, the fire. The fire! Uh, good 80s shit. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I like the season overall. There was some down shows to me. Uh, the past two haven't been as entertaining, I will say. Um, and yeah. a lot of it is they're still building characters, and, and some of the matches aren't. I like the way that they do their tag matches, but the tag matches themselves haven't been that great or anything to really write home about as far as in-ring action goes. Um, but... I love the Rock and Roll Express. Really happy to see them get a win. I like the overall uh, aspect of how the show is filmed, how it's produced, the the small sound stage, and, and all of that. All of that piece of NWA I've liked. Um, and I like the way they cut promos. I think the promos, the overall aesthetic, and, and unfortunately for me, Jim Cornette on commentary I thought was really hilarious until he got himself fired by saying some very offensive shit. Uh, but to be expected with Jim Cornette to some extent. Um, I think Wade Barrett will be pretty good. He was always pretty good on the mic. He was Bad News Barrett in uh, WWE after his run with Nexus. He's a former IC champion. He's actually pretty damn good in the ring. So maybe they're building to something where they can have a feud with someone like him. I don't know if he's still wrestling at all uh, since he left WWE. I haven't really kept up with his indie career if he's just been doing spot shows in the UK or, or whatever. Uh, but he has been pretty good in commentary in previous places I've seen him. I think he's a decent replacement. It's just that's – even on this episode of Power with, with with the Rock and Roll Express winning the championship, Cornette's right there. He's almost like hand-in-hand hand with the show at this point. Um, I'm wondering how that will affect their audience with him not putting the show over as much and – him not being on commentary and i don't know what that really what that says about the show itself but i i like the overall aesthetic i love nick alvis i think he's as far as like someone that does the shades of gray thing i think they've kind of perfected it with nick aldis uh within that promotion with the way that he kind of comes off as a heel as this man that will not let uh is a camille speak at all, but you don't know if he won't let her speak. And then he also does a bunch of good guy shit at the same time. So it's like, is he an asshole? Is he not an asshole? Um, I like James Storm. I think he's always been great. I'm still surprised they didn't just put beer money back together in WWE. Maybe he just didn't want that to happen, but they would have been a phenomenal tag team there. Uh, Josephus says the question mark, that's a really fun gimmick. And I think he's supposed to be a heel, but the crowd's just not fucking letting that happen. Uh, Damian Sandow, or whatever he's going by now, has been, to me, has been one of the biggest disappointments, because I thought he had so much potential, and he's kind of just a fucking joke character there, unfortunately. But overall, I liked the season. I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view. I think it is a little weird that they put the titles on the Rock and Roll Express, but I love the Rock and Roll Express, so it's kind of hard to be mad about. I don't know, man. So it's a weird ass show. I'm assuming the next season will have a different theme as well, since they're doing it kind of in Lucha Underground format where it's seasonal based. So maybe we won't get the fire uh, theme song anymore, which we the the fire. <laughs> well, 
you know, if if they if they don't want to pay too much rights, they could always just say fuck it and use a goddamn uh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins song for the intro. <laughs> it's not '80s, but you know, they don't have to pay anything just that way. It's NWA zero. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on. Um, so we're not going to cover Raw because Raw was whatever. It was it was pretty much a non-existent show. Um, it wasn't bad. It just I, there was nothing that fucking happened onto it. They're they're extending this whole entire Seth Rollins as a heel thing. And I will say, look, if they fuck this up and for some reason he isn't a heel by the end of this, yes, WWE is <laughs> idiots. Let's burn down the fucking whole entire foundation, just like he says right before he comes out. But also, we need to be a little more patient as wrestling fans. Can't expect things to happen fucking immediately. And also, if it does happen very quickly and it's kind of something that you, you expected to happen – don't complain about that either, like the whole MJF fucking Cody thing. God, yeah. people are so finicky. It's fucking ridiculous. It, it, it's okay Wait. if it's fan service. It's okay if it's if it's coordinated. It's also it's okay to fucking let something breathe to get gain a storyline for it. That's all. But uh, yeah, no wrong. I, I will what are you say, say I, I will say WWE does that to themselves. They've conditioned the fans that if something doesn't work in three to four weeks, then it's just fucking kiboshed in general. So That's a good point. It, the fact that they, they haven't built any matches for this pay-per-view that's a week away, there's a reason why their fans are that level of finicky and fickle. And also the Seth Rollins Hill turn thing, I'm kind of already over. Um I'm I'm gonna let it play out and see how it goes. But if what they were going for was like '97, it, what is compared to '97 Bret Hart, I I just don't see it. I mean, I know he's getting booed and shit, but like he's not. That storyline with Bret specifically was that he was loved in Canada and hated in America. Seth is just kind of fucking hated everywhere and should be. Yeah, he's not gonna get a, that. <laughs> he should be being portrayed as like a scumbag heel who thinks he's better than everyone. And thinks he's a leader when he's not. But the way it's came off is like he honestly thinks this and still wrestles as a baby face. I, and, it, it, and the worst part is if they decide, hey, we're not going to turn him heel and we're just going to do the Roman Reigns thing and let fans boo him, then it's going to make Kevin Owens look like a complete fucking asshole, like an idiot, basically. So that's the <laughs> that's the double-edged sort of this one. So I'm really hoping the Seth Rollins thing works and that they are able to tell a convincing story through this. But I, I don't have my hopes up. Like you said, Raw, I think was just overall, it was just a very a, a good show. I didn't think it was a bad show at all. Actually, I'm still kind of done. The Lana and Bobby shit is just ridiculous. Like how, how can you be the ones to get arrested if you're attacked <laughs> you have a restraining order and you're attacked. It's like the fuck. Uh, I just think so. Yeah, I I just think like you know if if you didn't miss this raw, you didn't miss a goddamn thing. You fucking you can go to next week and be fine. There were some good matches and and they've had 
you know, the, lately, I think a lot, they, they've been giving matches a little more time to breathe, letting have people that, honestly, you wouldn't expect to get some defense, whether it be like a Tony Nese or an Eric Young, for that matter, you know, actually have a decent match. But um, match quality is great. But when it comes to, like, storyline and progressing it and just having stuff that was this not the same thing as last week, no, pretty much was all the same fucking thing, just kind of going throughout the whole entire storyline. So it just... It was it was fine for me. But. Yeah, and and like I said, I think the biggest problem is we have no matches for the next pay per view that's a week away. Oh yeah, god damn it! A fucking Why'd you week tell me that? away. <laughs> a week away, Dane. I mean, I know we're, we're we are we know one match, which is going to be Charlotte and Becky versus the Kabuki Warriors, and I think that was one of the better segments. I liked Ray once again. I thought Ray was phenomenal on this show. Um, but when he said, I'm wrestling with the future of the business, and it was Humberto and Ricochet who've been beaten by AJ Styles like 75 times a piece, it's just fucking baffling. And then the superhero shit. There's a lot of stuff on that show I didn't like, but like you said, I think all the in-ring stuff was good. My biggest problem is it didn't build to anything, and it was, like you said, it was just kind of a middle-of-the-road show with some good in-ring work. Well, all right, well, let's move to AEW uh, Dynamite. Uh, and it started off with a match I really, really liked. I think this might have been my favorite match uh, throughout the whole entire night. It was a fun match with Dustin and the Young Bucks going against Sammy Guevara and proud and powerful uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, and, I mean, they just were very sequenced, and I was just very imp- – I'm very impressed by Dustin, man. I mean, for his age, he's able to do – his body can move – I don't know if they're about the same age. I'm assuming him and Jericho are close to the same age. He might actually be older, but Chris seems like his body, like he used to have a lot of fucking finesse when he was younger. He was pretty damn agile, and he can still do some stuff, but you can just definitely tell that with Chris, he's had to change his repertoire. Dustin seems to be adding shit, like Ricky Morton fucking style, and he's tall as fuck. Like, I don't get it. Like, he did a sent on to the outside, and the way they sequenced it with everyone doing the flips at the same time, thought it was fucking awesome. Uh, he was he did a Canadian Destroyer, which was awesome that Dustin Rhodes is a Canadian Destroyer. But can everyone stop fucking doing Canadian Destroyers? Like, my lord. That and frog splashes. Everyone does a goddamn frog splash. <laughs> was it was it Santana not, that took was it Santana that took the Canadian destroyer? Because that was the more yeah. impressive. The more yeah, impressive he piece. did. Because I'm I'm pretty sure he's taken one from Ricky and from Dustin Rhodes. He's like, if you're an old guy and you have to do a Canadian destroyer, <laughs> call up one of the members of LAX. They got you. <laughs> Conan trained them very very well to be able to take Canadian destroyers. But, like, do you think that P.D. Williams is, like, I never knew my move was going to become the fucking, like, the, the super kick for the last generation or some shit. Like, what the fuck? The first time I saw that goddamn move, it was, like, mind-blowing. And now they do Panama Sunrises on the fucking apron. All right, I'm going to stop bitching now, like an old man. Yeah, but, I mean, well, way, no, I, th- I, think it's a, I think it's a fair thing to bitch about. But, yeah, you're 100% right. I don't think P.D. Williams ever saw that fucking coming. <laughs> But it's you know it's also a young bucks match, so you gotta have a big spot for Dustin, and that one relies yeah. more on the guy taking the move than the guy giving the move, in a lot of ways. So that was like as far as a spot goes, he saw Ricky do it, and he was probably like, "I bet I could do that." 
<laughs> so I see why they did it. Hopefully he just doesn't start doing it every fucking match. Cause I don't know that everyone is going to be able to uh, pull that off as well as, you know, Santana or Ortiz. I, I can't remember which one it was that took it, but I think they're the same. It's the same one who took it with Ricky. Um, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Either way. Awesome match. I really like the part where the, the ref was distracted or whatever. And they got him in, or they got, I think, Ortiz in the corner for the Shattered Dreams. And it was like a double super kick with the Shattered Dreams at the same time. No, no, Sammy Guevara. Uh, just just really, really uh, fun sequences that very, very well put together. And like I said, I'm always impressed by Dustin. But uh, Rhodes in the Bucks won with a double Mezzo driver, top rope, double stomp into a senton onto Guevara for the pin. Uh yeah, and just a fun match started it off. Chris, what do you think about this? I like the match a lot. I don't necessarily like the way that they're portraying Guevara in these matches because he kind of comes out like a geek. Um, outside of that, I thought everything was fun. I thought it was a you know a good amount of high spots in comedy spot. It kind of was everything you expected. Also, Dustin Rhodes' uh, ring attire was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like him having the tassels and shit just on top of his normal leather gear was pretty fucking hilarious to me the entire match. But yeah, it was, it was fun overall. If if you don't like the choreographed tag spots, this match might not be for you. But I, I thought it was a good way to start the show. Lots of energy and like like I said, it had a good amount of like comedy spots with the cell phone um, moonsault, uh, a bunch of the, those kind of things in that match that were speaking yeah. throughout. It was a good opener. But, uh, yeah, fun overall. I enjoyed the match a lot. The thing for me that that separates it from a lot of people that will do these matches is that – and it happens to the Young Bucks. It happens to a lot of people. Maybe it's chemistry or whatnot. It just – sometimes the finesse, it just looks so fucking choreographed instead of them being able to hit it uh, all very perfectly. And, I mean, you have LAX, Sammy Guevara's up-and-coming – you know, and then the Bucks, and then Dustin showing off the fact that he can fucking hold his own when it comes to that shit, but they timed it very well, and that's kind of like the thing that will make or break that style of tag team match, at least for me, personally. But, um... Yeah, we had another so match my up. favorite... I have one thing I forgot to say about the match. My favorite part of the entire match. Dustin does the two power slams in a row, like, vintage Dustin Rhodes, as Michael Cole would say. Uh, but then he pretends like he's blown up <laughs> for a while. Oh, yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> I popped for that. I thought that was pretty fucking great. Sorry, I just got to give a shout-out to awesome. Dustin Ruth on that one. Uh, that was great. That was awesome. That's comedy stuff that I like to see. All right, we have Ray Phoenix and Trent uh, Beretta. I'm going to call him Trent Beretta. Fuck it. I don't know why he's just Trent now. It's, that's, you should, you might, if you're going to pick one of the two, I would pick Beretta over Trent Sounds like one of the names that George Carlin would make fun of, for Christ's sakes. If anyone gets that reference, good. Um, but good match, man. I really like both these guys. I love Ray Phoenix, but I really, like, I don't want to be a dick to Chuck, but Chuck E.T., but I, I've i now seen two singles matches with Trent, and I think that he has a lot of potential for if they're building some type of mid-card with a title or if it's the ring, whatever the fuck. Um, I think he's perfect for there, and I think that he could possibly be, you know, a, a you know, within going in the future with the company, he could be someone that I could see as a heavyweight champion. Um, but you gotta get him out of that tag team. And I, the first time I saw him, 
was when he first branched off of Ricky Romero um, and uh, was doing his own thing in New Japan, and that's when I liked him, and then he got with Chuck. And he's good in tag matches, don't get me wrong. It just, it's, it's, like, it's like Pentagon more so than even Phoenix. It just seems like they're good singles competitors, and they kind of, kind of just get put into the uh, tag thing. But I, I like this match. Uh, Chris, what do you think about the match between Ray Phoenix and Trent? Ray won uh, with the Blackfire driver, by the way, which is awesome. A twisting fucking uh, muscle buster. Like, what the hell? Yeah, we better hope that Bret Hart never sees that move. It's the most dangerous move of all time. That's a, uh, I, I believe that, that, that it's a dangerous move, and uh, I don't appreciate it. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, now, I'll just decide. I thought this was a really great match. Um, Phoenix did Ray Phoenix shit, but then they wrestled like a very an American-style match in a lot of ways, which is a little surprising. Trevor is fucking great. Um, definitely the highlight of that group as far as in-ring workers go, and you can see why he does a lot of the heavy lifting in that tag team. But uh, yeah, I kind of like what they're doing with their goofy best friends tag team. Eventually they'll break up and not be best friends anymore, and Beretta can go on to do more. But right now I'm kind of fine with it because there isn't a mid-card title. There's already a lot of shit on the show that they're trying to get over. So right where he's at now, I'm I'm fine with. But I agree with you. I think that he is definitely... If you're going to pull one person from that tag team, unless you're going to do some kind of storyline where Orange Cassidy has to actually be a serious wrestler, uh, I think that he's definitely the biggest. He has the most star potential and probably the best matches in him. And and Ray Phoenix, as always, is just fucking awesome. So (laughs) there's that. He's a badass, dude. All right, so then we had Cody Rhodes coming out and cutting a fucking amazing promo once again. Uh, just, you know, and, and God, the, the man is such a master, but he comes out and he's trying to call out MJF and he's saying, you know, you're saying that you're going, you're not, never going to wrestle me. And, and he's, he's like, you know, money talks. And he starts offering him money. Um, including he first offers him his truck, then he offers him his his red Louis Vuitton shoes, uh, and then he has a briefcase of $50,000. Uh, to prove it, gives $100 to one of the kids in the front row who looked not as happy as I would if I was a fucking kid and just got a $100 bill from Cody Rhodes. Jesus Christ. I was like, man. It's like, cool, thanks. I get these all the time. That was I a kid? I thought that was... I thought that was Jack Gallagher. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if his hair was a little bit curlier, I would have gotten confused with Marco Stunt. Um, Jack Gallagher. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah. And then he even offered his watch. And he he was kind of, it reminded me uh, of Ric Flair's thing in WCW, where he basically stripped town eventually to his boxers and started giving elbow drops to his uh, his clothing. Uh, with Mean Gene, uh, where Gene was trying... Watch, if you haven't seen this promo, just to see Ric Flair in fucking Rolf- Ric Flair mode. And I think he's done stuff like this with his jackets, taking it off in the past. But just just taking off, like, here's my shoes, and throwing them and shit like that. Like, totally, totally an homage. But great stuff. Um, what was the statement that he said? 
I could have done without everyone screwing up the, you know, now there's two guys screwing up the crossroads because that was referenced to Damian Priest. It's like, guys, just fucking don't even reference, and you know, NXT in any way. Don't, I mean, it was kind of funny, but, like, don't remake the Britt Baker thing. Like, just don't fucking do it. Then people will just go search and, I don't know. It's just, it's dumb. Just don't even fucking so, acknowledge each other. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. So, a question for you. Did you actually see the Britt Baker thing? Because, like, did that only air on Fight TV? Because I don't remember seeing this at all. And I, I kind of watched the show twice. So, I'm wondering no, it, if that it, it, was, like... On AEW, uh, it happened uh, in one of the ladies' matches. Um, which match did it happen? It just went to her, and she had the same exact uh, uh, concerned face. And then, uh, what's his name? Excalibur goes, oh, that's that's Adam Cole's girlfriend, Britt Baker. And I was like, oh. but Oh, I guess I just, know. I fucking just missed it completely. I'm glad that she's not getting punished for that, but I guess I just missed that completely. Um, I love the promo. I love the homage to Ric Flair. My only thing is, like, the response was MJF on Twitter. So if you want the response to this, you have to go to Twitter to see what MJF says, or I guess wait until AEW Dark next week, and hopefully they recap it. It's one of my biggest problems with this show, and I guess I should just go ahead and dive into this a little bit. Uh, the production for the first 10 to 20 minutes of the show, depending oh, on yeah. what format you're watching, was absolute dog shit. Uh, and it's not the first time. And I've yelled about the production multiple times. Uh, the sound quality was fucking god-awful. Uh, and, and even – it took them about 30 minutes to fix it. They, they, You could tell they were mixing different things. Like you would hear the ring louder than the crowd, or you'd hear the announcers really muffled and cutting in and out, or the music would be really low. Like, for instance, when Phoenix came out, uh, and this would have been the second match, so this is like 15 minutes in. His music was super low. The crowd was super high. Uh, a lot of that stuff, they got to get together. This is, I, I've given them 10 weeks. They got to start getting this shit together. Like, it's just constantly driving me fucking insane. Uh, and the other thing is the picture-in-picture picture shit that they do. You have to make sure that your big segments, which we're going to talk about one later, are actually either on the show or you do a better job of replaying it and detailing what the hell is going on. Um, so those are, those are three, three things. And it's not just this show it has been multiple shows and I'm not here to bury AEW, but like, God damn it, like fix it. <laughs> like it's been, yeah, you've had 10 weeks and two pay-per-views fix it. Um, so I, I've heard that people in Canada didn't have this problem and people with Fight TV didn't have this problem based on other news outlets. But for me here on the East Coast, watching on TNT, it was a shit show for the first 30 minutes or so. Um, okay, now that I've gotten that out of the way, I thought this was a great promo. I like the Red Bottoms reference. I like that he said that MJF is hood rich and that he had a fake scarf, basically claiming that he's not rich. He's only been in the business for like a year. Cody put himself over as a bigger star, very Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair-esque. Love the promo. I wonder if they should have saved it, if they're going to do the homage to Ric Flair to build the feud up a little bit more before we cut this promo and maybe went full bore with it, with him elbow dropping some shit. But, like, those are all small things. Cody has been on fire on promos. I think he's had some really great matches. And easily, I mean, outside of Jericho, definitely the biggest star um, on the AEW brand right now, especially with kind of how they booked Kenny Omega thus far. Yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. 
Um, good stuff for sure. What happened next on this? Nyla Rose went against Leva Bates and destroyed her. <laughs> so afterwards, um, uh, Shauna tried to make a save after the match. Once, one, another thing, and they, they showed it on here, luckily. But at another convention, uh, Nyla Rose just attacked Shauna and put her through a table. So this is her response to that. Um, but if they didn't show that on the show beforehand earlier, it would have been pretty much pointless uh, and kind of confusing. So I'm glad they did that. During the commercial break, Rose put a, this is kind of stuff that you were talking about, but Rose put a referee through a table and powerbombed Shauna onto him. Uh, later in the episode, the announce team mentioned that Rose has been suspended. Um, that's when the Britt Baker thing happened in the audience. And then, Oh God! Wait, let's talk about this Chris Jericho stuff, man. <laughs> uh, so Chris Jericho well, announced he's. What did you want to make a statement on something else before him? I was just gonna say that the the show fell off the ledge for like twenty fucking minutes until Chris Jericho showed up. I'm just gonna go ahead and throw that. It really out there. did. Uh, yeah. So Chris Jericho announced uh, that he's contractually obligated to wrestle one more uh, time in 2019. And read the list to the people not qualified to face him. Uh, the list now called the Lexicon of Le Champion. Uh, <laughs> I love how Chris Jericho, Adam Cole is really good at this as well, and I'll, I'll give him this credit. Um, is that Chris Jericho is liked? You know, he's cool. He's got this thing, so people want to cheer him. He can fucking make them hate him within a split second. Uh, and when he brought the list, everyone gets excited, and he's like, no, 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 this is not 2016, okay? And then he explained. So he knew in his head that this was going to happen and then prepared based on that. That's the brilliance of this man. It's ridiculous. Uh, the list name dropped. Oh, God, it was, it was like Diamond Dallas Page, Adam Page, Page, uh, John Moxley. He said John Moxley about a million times. Kenny Chesney was on there, Kenny Omega, Kenny uh, Ortega. Um, Jurassic Express came out shortly after his whole entire thing. And he said that he also wasn't going to fight children or dinosaurs. So this sets up a match kind of between an altercation where Chris was trying to get underneath Jungle Boy's skin and kind of called him out. And Jungle Boy, you know, got in his face and slapped the shit out of him. So he's going to give him a match on December 18th. This will be the match that apparently Chris Jericho has to have before the end of this year uh, with the title. And um, I'm sure that Jericho's going to really, really make Jungle Boy look awesome. Uh, the kid's got a shit ton of potential. And uh, I'm just surprised, personally, that if they were going to do this, they didn't try Luchasaurus. But they're holding out on that a little bit. But the, the fucking, like I said, the promo... The fact that Jack Hager looks like he's having such a fun time and, like, he's just got to be there and try not to laugh because he's supposed to be the tough guy, just so funny how they, they interact and just – just he's got so much fucking confidence in what he's saying. And the list, just like I said, Kenny Chesney, Page, Diamond Dallas Page, you know, just, just great delivery, man. He's, he's, a, he's a comedian. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this whole entire promo? I love the promo. I love the throwback to the list being called the lexicon, which just doesn't make any sense, but I fucking love it. Uh, I, 
I like that he said that he would never defend his title against any member of the Scorpions after mentioning Scorpio Sky. <laughs> it was like very specific. He said Scorpio Sky, too cold Scorpio, any member of the Scorpions. <laughs> there was a bunch of really good. But this was a throwback to not only the list, but the originator of the list, which was when he was the, the man of a thousand and three holes against Dean Malenko. <laughs> And he kept saying armbar, and that was the Moxley part was him saying armbar. <laughs> Instead of armbar, he was saying Moxley. <laughs> and one spoiler that he snuck in there, right before he got cut off by the music, he said Marty, and he didn't finish it, which you would assume is Marty Skrull is where he was going. So I think that's oh, a little bit of a I didn't, for the, I didn't hear that. A little bit of a teaser for the future. Um, I also liked uh, – <laughs> People have been ta- – what did what did Luchasaurus say? People have been disregarding my kind for 65 million years. <laughs> which, I, which I popped for. Um, Luchasaurus I thought was pretty great on the mic uh, in this segment, as he's been on B. If you watch Being the Elite, he's pretty great there as well when they have him uh, talk about his masters. Uh, he has a master's in what was it, medieval <laughs> – culture or something weird some weird shit like that uh he was absolutely great here uh they kept jack perry very very limited on what he said which was just i'm gonna kick your ass i love that jericho called him a piece of shit it was very almost like he channeled his interventing man on that and i look forward to that match like i like you said i think that will be a really fun match um, it's going to be Jericho just taking a lot of hot, high spots, more than likely with some outside interference. But I think the real thing here is building up Luchasaurus versus Jack Hagar. Um, and hopefully they perform better than they did in this like fight sequence they had. And I think part of the problem was like Marco's stunt was there just grabbing people's legs during this. So they couldn't step around him or over him, which was really weird. He was like a chihuahua biting people's ankles. <laughs> Uh, that's not an insult to Marco, but it did just kind of throw a wrench in what was just supposed to be people throwing fists um, in this particular segment. But, yeah, I look forward to that match, and the promo itself was pretty fucking great. I love Chris Jericho. He's just – he sold 12,000 bottles of a little bit of the bubbly in one week. <laughs> that's so amazing. He's such a badass. Oh, God, I love Jericho. All right, so we had a match with Hikaru Shida. And Chris Statlander, uh, this is Chris's debut, I believe. I, maybe she had a match. I think she was actually part of a tag match, uh, three-on-three on AEW Dark. But really impressed by this girl. I actually really liked her uh, in this match. I, I, I already, I, Hikaru Shida has, has been, you know, growing on me from the past. They keep on featuring her, so I get to see her a lot. Um, and uh, Chris beat Hikaru Shida. She got a big win, especially if this is her first uh, singles match. Uh, after the match, Brandy Rhodes offered uh, Statlander a spot in her new group called the Nightmare Collective, a new faction she has with Awesome Kong, uh, if she accepted right now. A female fan is accepted instead, and she actually is a female wrestler. If I was professional, I would have her name in front of me, but I don't remember. She's you know, a smaller indie wrestler, but good for her. Uh, that she accepted instead at uh, Rhodes and Awesome Kong clipped off some of the fans' hair during the commercial break. Nothing happened during the commercial break. Really good stuff. Um, 
kind of straight edge society. Uh, it's kind of cultish, which, you know, with the Butcher the Blade stuff and the bunny, that sounds, unless Marty is involved with that, very culty. Uh, and then you have, uh, like I said beforehand, uh, the New Order, which is definitely doing a cult thing. You know, I would I would hope that since it's called the Nightmare Collective, Chris, that it's more more going to just be darker because, you know, I remember when we were talking a while ago uh, at the beginning of October, and I was like, what's what's some like darker themed characters that AEW can try to like use? Because right now all they have is the Dark Order, and I don't think that's working for them. I didn't think of Awesome Kong because, you know, she had, she's more of a presence, but the way they're positioning her with this. Is interesting. I don't know how I feel about Brandy's involvement. It's very weird, uh, very not overly scripted, but just I don't know. It's it's not resonating as much, and now it's kind of straight edge society with fucking chopping off hair and shit. So I hope that they get a better grip on it, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, how do you feel about that? And how'd you like the match between Statlander and Sheeta beforehand? I like Statlander a lot, and she. De- I think she beat the number one contender. So I think that's my biggest problem is they didn't really put that over and it became just a spot for awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes, as opposed to her being the number one contender for the title. So I think that was more of my problem with it. I will say the way to save this and the way that I would probably save this, if you're going to do a faction, uh, since awesome Kong cut off Allie's hair and then Allie became the bunny, maybe this is all part of a faction by Brandy and Scroll will come in, and maybe one other person, and then you have someone to feud against the Inner Circle and the Elite in some form. Oh. I think I like that's that. where they're going with it. That would be the only thing that really makes sense out of this. Otherwise, it's just like they attacked Cody for no reason, Allie got her hair chopped off, and we're fucking doing some Vince Russo WWE-style booking where nothing actually matters so I'm hoping this ties back in specifically because Cody did mention that his wife is cutting off people's hair. So you would think the reason he was attacked is because Allie got her hair cut off by Brandy, but they never really specified that in any form, especially in the Allie promo coming up. So maybe that's where this is going. Um, where like you're going to see dissension between Cody and Brandy and another faction. So you almost have like a, uh, a three, three type faction with Marty Scroll becoming the actual leader of this thing, maybe positioned behind Brandy to some extent. And if that's the case, then I want to I want to see how this develops because I do think that's probably where they're going. Um, I hope and, so. You and, just got my hopes up. And I I will say I think people should keep in mind that their next pay per view is like what four months away, three months away, or something. Yeah. It's it's not a monthly pay per view, so this is going to be a long, slow build. Marty will be out of contract; he'll probably end up showing up. And uh, if that's the case, then now you have a dominant, dominant thing, dominant thing to build, and and maybe even multiple female wrestlers. If if like Kenny brings in Aja Kong, or or you know even Rio can be part of that group as part of the elite or something. So I think there's very interesting things you can do with this for sure. I just hope that they don't disregard the fact that they beat down Cody and continue forward. Then I'll I'll stop buying the hype of AEW being able to make this shit make sense because so far everything they've done has ended up making sense in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. 
Yeah, the, the the Dark Order, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with them. I think they're just a tag team, and I don't think they're going to be part of this long-term, but I, I do think that we'll see the rest of this stuff play out for sure. Well, we'll cover that real quick because that – all right, so there was another pro, or another uh, promotional piece for the Dark Order, and it involved basically Dark Uno or uh, Evil Uno asking that one gentleman if you wanted to join, and then – Showing him after he joined uh, his putty guys, whatever the hell, the the spooky fucks, devouring some other, you know, guy. It looked kind of, I'm assuming they were going for Walking Dead like they were eating him or something. It was very, very bizarre. We'll see about the Dark Order. The redesign of Evil Uno's costume and also, you know, especially the mask getting bigger and not just looking luchadorish, like looking kind of more intimidating. Um... And these vignettes would have been very beneficial for these guys before they debuted. Or if they debuted the first time, you know, that one time at the pay-per-view, and then they built up with it afterwards. Because I have liked these vignettes. I still am kind of not sure how I feel about the new – or the uh, – I was about to call them the new edition. The the new order. Um, but – or the whatever the hell their name is. God, I'm, I'm messing it up every five seconds. Um, it's just it's 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 bizarre, but I I do kind of like the 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 vignettes. I just think that they were kind of late in setting them up, and then like we we also had a vignette. Found out that we're gonna have a match next week with the Butcher and the Blade against Cody Rhodes and QT Marshall. Don't know much about him. I know that he's a wrestler. Uh, that that they signed. That's I don't remember exactly who taught him. I'll try to look that up in a second, but. Um, and then we had a vignette of the Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade kind of answering that whole entire thing. And fortunately, Allie's, Allie's good at being a, you know, kind of a, a, a happy-go-lucky person. And I, I, she didn't I, didn't, I didn't like this promo, basically. I don't think it helped him as much, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Even, I love your idea, Chris, and I kind of hope that that is what they're doing. You know, it would make a lot of sense with all of them having, you know, darker outfits and stuff. But if Marty is just joining them and that's what they're going to be, I don't have as much of a problem with it. If there is no involvement in either, this is going to be like the same concept uh, as, the la- as the order. So uh, what what do you think about these vignettes for both things? And um, what what do you think is going on with the Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade? I think I could have done without the putties like swarming on the guy and clawing at his face or whatever the hell happened. Like they ate the guy. Probably could have done without that. If they would have just beat him down or something and left him in the woods. Sorry, I cut out for a second. Uh, if they would have just beat him down and left him in the woods, I'd have been more fine with that. The weird like eating of the guy. It's just like, uh, I, I like the vignettes leading up to it though where they're talking about their website and feeling depressed, feeling alone, <laughs> join the dark order. Um, and also to take it back to the Chris Jericho promo, he said he would never fight evil Uno, <laughs> Uno evil dose, <laughs> evil traits. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I like the thought that there's more evils out there. <laughs> um, the, uh, the bunny promo Allie should not be cutting promos for them. It was fucking terrible, dude. And this is up there for worst promo of the year, right there next to that Britt Baker promo. 
<laughs> so when we go to the end of the year show, um, if we do a top five worst promos, that one that one's gonna be on the list. It was it was bad. She just sounds too happy. She's like, "We're here to cause chaos," and you're like, "Are you? Are you sure?" <laughs> uh, so then we had a match with uh, Pentagon Junior going against Christopher Daniels. Uh, they've been building this up obviously since uh, you know doing the tag tournament and Pentagon screwed over. Daniels, who was supposed to participate, did the package pile driver on the metal ramp, took him out of action. He came back, uh, ended up screwing over Pentagon in the Battle Royal. Now we're having this match that, after building it, and it unfortunately was kind of uh, kind of blocky. Kind of, not sloppy, because it's not like they were slipping or anything like that. They were just kind of, it just it, it wasn't working that well as what I would have expected between the two of them. Um if I were to be honest, you know, they're still two great wrestlers. A lot of the stuff was good in the ring. Uh, the Probably the worst part is the split-legged moonsault that uh, Christopher Daniels tried to do on the Pentagon. And not only was Pentagon way too far away, but he kind of looked like slipped and almost went headfirst into the metal ramp. Uh, just didn't have enough room, I don't think, to do it. Uh, but, you know, uh, Daniels had... The match won with the Angel Wings, but Ray Phoenix distracted the referee. Pentagon hit a low blow and a package foul driver to win the match. He lies, he cheats, he steals. Pentagon beats Christopher Daniels. What do you think, Chris? It makes sense. I, I, I feel like they're building them up for a tag team title shot against SCU. And instead of them shoving it down our throats, these guys are in singles and putting their partners out there during the match they're slowly building towards it, which makes sense because there's, like I said, like three or four months to the next pay-per-view. So I I like what they're doing here, and I like Pentagon picking up a win. I do think it's a little unfortunate for Christopher Daniels because I don't know that he has a singles win yet, and he just came back from kind of an injury, and they played that off a little bit. I think that the commentary – and I'm going to give props to Excalibur and JR on this on the commentary. When he slipped, they blamed it on the fact that he got packaged pile drive on, on the ramp previously they said he's probably still stiff from that which i thought was a really good cover-up for a botch and most announcers don't do that yeah uh so i thought that was very professional and really well done that stage scares the shit out of me with people doing spots on it now though i i just i'm kind of just maybe save those for really big moments and not do shit on the stage um and they slipped all throughout this match, so I don't know what happened to the ropes. Maybe uh, Phoenix greased up his boots so he could run across them faster. <laughs> no one else was prepared. Possibly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they, they had some problems here. But overall, it was a fun match. And obviously, they didn't, if they were to give Christopher Daniels and, and Pentagon like 30 minutes uh, and they didn't try that one spot, I think that match would have been fucking amazing. Christopher Daniels, great phenomenal fucking wrestlers. So I, I look forward to seeing where they go with the storyline, but I'm assuming it's going to end up with a tag match. I was actually kind of sad not to see any Scorpio sky after they'd been pushing him. Uh, same with Kenny Omega, yeah. kind of his redemption story. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about either of them. Uh, that's not good. Um, all right. So the last match was, I don't know. It's either the first match or this match. I think were my two favorite matches, but John Moxley had a match with Joey Janela beforehand. Joey Janela was uh, hyping himself out and uh, helping, hyping himself up and doing a promo in the back, and uh, you know was just saying all this crazy shit. And then just casually, John Moxley walks over and goes, "Huh, kids, 
and just walks away. Oh, God, I love John Moxley. But um, they had a good match, man. Um, you know, for people that give J- Joey Janela crap and just try to say that he just does crazy shit, he actually is getting pretty solid in the ring. I think uh, it was it was a fun match. Um, sometimes at certain points, just because Moxley has kind of built himself to be this, like, supreme badass, he, he shows a bit of vulnerability sometimes with his opponents. Like, Darby Allen, I think it made a little bit of sense because he got attacked going into it, but just gives a little bit too much offense from what I'd like to see personally. Um, but either way, they, they beat the living shit out of each other, and uh, uh, Moxley won with the paradigm shift after the match. Chris Jericho came out and mimicked what John Moxley did to him the week beforehand, uh, just raising – his belt and looking over at John while he was in the ring. Uh, pretty uh, good stare down. Looking forward to that belt match uh, within the future. Chris, what do you think about this last match with John Moxley and Joey Janela? My favorite match of the night was probably the first one. I will go ahead and say that the young bucks match. I thought that was just a lot of fun. Uh, and it's Dustin's been great in all of his matches thus far. Uh, I like this match a lot. It's just, they, started off with such a banger with them doing the lights out match with Janela and Moxley that you just kind of expect a little more. I like that they took it back and did an actual serious match. I don't like that Janela hasn't really gotten any wins and has kind of been on the receiving end of beatdowns from KO Omega and Moxley and a bunch of other people. I thought his promo before Moxley cut him off was pretty good, but he's definitely doing like a Mick Foley voice. I don't know if you noticed that, but it really threw me off like he was doing oh, a yeah. Mick Foley-style oh, yeah. promo. And the, the even to the point where you're, like, the inflection of the way you say things was very Mick Foley. Uh, I will say that I like the shit out of Janela's trunks with the Misfits font on it. So represent New Jersey, I guess. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, the match itself I thought was pretty good. It's uh, you know the crazy part is with the, the hardcore match that Janela that, that Moxley just had with Kenny Omega. Janela's had two better hardcore matches than I like with those two people separately than he's had than they had, and they're supposed to be like the top guys. But Janela's like been the one to show that he's able to wrestle around that shit kind of in a different way. Uh, more so, in my mm-hmm. opinion. So uh, I, I wouldn't sleep on Janela. I think he's he's better than people have expected and more than just the guy that got thrown off of a fucking house by Zandig or a building or whatever that was. I think he's uh, he's proved to me that he's a little bit more. I do need him to lay a little bit off of the Mick Foley like, impersonation for me, for my taste. The, the, the words and everything he was saying in the promo were fine, but just dial it down just a little bit with the Mick Foley impersonation. I feel you. I feel you. Well, let's start off with NXT that was going on at the exact same time on USA. Uh, it started off. This is this is something was kind of question questionable to me. Uh, Killian Day came out. He was saying, you know, I'm gonna whoop everyone's ass. I'm the Irish fucking Vader. <coughs> I do a her- terrible Irish accent, by the way. And for some reason, it triggered my uh, coughing. Uh, Pete Dunne comes out. All right. You know, it's it's been them two and Damian Priest in this, you know, everyone has a match with each other thing. Kind of repetitive. Uh, but they did have a good match. I didn't like the ending of Killian Dane falling on top of him from the top and it, it knocking him unconscious. Uh, you know, 
if, if you're going to give Killian Dane a, a win against Pete Dunne, don't have it be fucking just a lame-ass one. Like, you know, let him have a fucking win over him. That would help him out better instead of, like, he fell on top of me and I, you know, and I hit me head. I don't know. Uh, dec- it, it was, like I said, decent match. I've seen it all before. Didn't like the ending. Chris, what do you think about Killian Dane and Pete Dunne? Killian Dane shouldn't be beating Pete Dunne ever at this point in his career. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. And I thought the finish was kind of shitty, like you, like you said. It was just a way to try to protect both guys. And uh, Pete Dunne just coming off a loss against Adam Cole after winning that three-way match, this just continues that feud. And I have, like, I, it's not doing anything for either guy. And I don't think the fans are behind Killian Dane at all. So I don't know what that booking is supposed to do. The match itself, outside the finish, I thought was really, really good. But so is pretty much every other Pete Dunne match. Yep, I agree. All right, Undisputed Era complained about how they were treated on last week's show and called out Finn Balor. Keith Lee answered instead, saying he turned Adam Cole into a viral gif. Cole insulted Lee, so Lee attacked the group. They fled, but Tommaso Ciampa cut them off. Ciampa fed Cole to Lee for a spirit bump, but the other members of Undisputed Era saved him. Ciampa held the NXT champion that Cole had left in the ring. And later in the episode, uh, they announced that it was going to be Ciampa Lee and Dominic Dijakovic uh, against Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. Uh, How did you like this promo with the Undisputed Era and, of course, the men that they've been rivaling with uh, between Ciampa uh, and Keith Lee? And, uh, well, Finn Balor wasn't out, but we'll get there later on. Sorry. This, This promo was long. I'll say that. Uh, it went a bit long for my taste. It was the entire length of the Ray Phoenix uh, Ray Phoenix match, so it was a it was a good lengthy promo. I like uh, the Keith Lee bringing up the fact that he watched Adam Cole seventeen thousand rows uh, from last week, um, and and it it set up a match. I'm still weird about uh, Dominic and Keith Lee teaming in any form or format because I feel like that's a feud you can go back to later on. Um, but outside of that, I, I like the setup and the build for like, what that ended up being the main event, I think, right? So I like the setup and the build on the show. It was just a little long. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Shanna Baszler won against Zia Lee. Um, this is actually a pretty good showing of Zia Lee. I've, I've said that she's a bit stiff, but uh, her and Baszler, I think, work pretty well together. She's still a bit green, but I think that she has a shit ton of potential. She's definitely got a good look for her. Uh, but she cut a promo beforehand, thought she was pretty intimidating, which is – she was good on the mic basically for what she was doing. And uh, Shayna made her look – gave her a lot more offense than I think that she needed, honestly. But uh, Shayna got her in the, her submission with the Carafuda clutch and lights out for Zia Lee. Uh, what did you think about this match, Chris? I actually liked it a lot. I think, like like you said, I think that Lee kind of stood out here more so than her previous matches. And I, I will give props to Shayna on that. I think by her giving the offense and more just looking for the spot to clinch that thing in, it made the finish really, really great uh, when she finally did clinch, clinch it in and, and choke her out. Also, she should come out to protect your neck. Like, go ahead and buy the rights to it and, and make her come out to protect your neck. I think that'll get her super fucking over. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Um, all right, so a couple minor things that, that led uh, into the, the ladies' match that I want to talk about. But uh, Cassie Sono is back from the U.K. 
Uh, I don't know if that means that he's going to be permanently over here again, but it's good to have him back regardless. Forgotten Sons uh, beat uh, local enhancement talent in a squash match, Adrian Alanis and Leon Ruff. Oh, and actually, they're they're uh, they're from Evolve. Uh, but um, after the match, Jason Riker chokeslammed Ruff into the ring apron. Whatever. Uh, Rhea Ripley went against Dakota Kai, but that never happened. Uh, Rhea Ripley um, complimented Kai for the setup at War Games, uh, which, by the way, that intro video of just hearing, just watching the visual of what she did basically to uh, Tegan Knox and having Tegan Knox's screams as a part of the music, that was pretty cool. I think they're turning Dakota Kai into Tommaso Ciampa. I mean, the leg brace even says it all, basically. But whatever. Uh, do what you got to do. I, I, I dig what they're doing with her so far. But Mia Yim instead was going to fight Dakota Kai, who called her a hood rat earlier, and uh, said that she was setting up uh, revenge for her tonight. Yim attacked Kai until Shayna Baszler and the four horsewomen attacked Yim. Ripley tried to make the save, but Baszler choked her out with the Karafuda clutch while Shafir and Duke held Ripley's arms to keep her from breaking it. Baszler announced that Ripley will get a title shot uh, on December 18th for the NXT Women's Champion. And then we had a promo video with Finn Balor uh, that informed us that he was going to come for Adam Cole and his NXT Championship. Mainly, did you like the segment between Rhea Ripley, the horsewoman Dakota Kai, and uh, Mia Yim? Yeah, I like the segment a lot. Uh, Mia Yim just kind of felt like a odd shove-in fit to get the story over, but outside of that, I, I liked it a lot. And I like that Baszler is the one that booked the match, basically. She's like, I want to fight you, because that's the thing I like about her. It's very Brock Lesnar, um, in a sense, where she's not afraid to fight anyone, similar to what she's done with Becky so far. And if they're going to put that as part of her character, I think that's fucking great. Um, and Rhea should probably end up winning that title and having a run with it, to be completely honest. But uh, I like the buildup a lot. I think it's been really good. I like what they're doing with Dakota Kai as well. I, I was a little – I just didn't see her as a heel, but they're doing a good job of putting that over. Uh, Cassius Ono looked like shit <laughs> in his match. I think it's ring rust, but I, that match was, like, slow and lumbering. I don't know if we skipped over that. Did we skip over that or not touch on it yet? No. No, that was actually the next thing. Uh, I'm just going to put this all in one so we can just kind of wrap uh, this up. I want to talk a little bit about the ratings before we uh, sign off. But Matt Riddle went against Cassie Sono, who was Matt Riddle's first person. He knocked him out one punch. Uh, a little more offense, but I do agree with you. Uh, Riddle won the uh, pinfall with the bro, Derek. We had Kushida making his return. Uh, he was supposed to go against, uh, not Humberto Carrillo, but um, Real Mendoza. But Cameron Grimes came out and attacked him. They had a pretty damn good match, and Kushida beat him with a roll-up. And um, next week we're going to be getting uh, Dakota Kai and uh, Mia Yim, as well as Angel Garza challenging Leo Rush for the Cruiserweight title. And then the last match, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and Tomas Ciampa defeated the Undisputed Era because Finn, Finn Balor attacked Adam Cole from behind, drop-kicking him into the referee. Balor hit the 1916 on Ciampa, and was prepared to hit Cole again, but was stopped by Keith Lee. Lee spirit uh, uh, spirit bomb Balor and jackhammer Cole to win the match. After the match, Will and Regal announced that Adam Cole will defend the NXT Championship on December 18th. To decide this opponent, next week we'll have Finn Balor versus Keith Lee versus Tommaso Ciampa. 
All right. What do you think about the ending of the show, Chris? I thought it was pretty great. I mean, I feel like that title match is going to end in a DQ uh, more than likely. It's really funny they're putting a title match on the same time Jericho is ha- has a title match. It's like there's some insider training or something because he's fighting Jungle Boy yeah, for the no title shit. as well that same fucking night. Uh, yeah, overall, great show, man. I actually liked NXT a little better. Uh, I know we always give the ratings. I liked NXT as an overall show a little better. I thought the wrestling uh, was really good, and the storylines built to kind of things that we expected. And there wasn't production issues or weird faction shit that where I don't know where things are going on. So uh, AEW was a little more fun to watch, but NXT was to me just like if you're watching a solid ass wrestling show, I think it was it was booked a little better. I agree with you. Um, the, I, I I think there was a lot of fun on AEW, but there was also some really good wrestling. I just love, like I said, both shows. Uh, and like we're about to go over the ratings real quick. It's I, I love both these shows, man. I want them to make each other better, and that's what they're doing. Um, AEW Dynamite barely uh, edged out a uh, WWE NXT by six thousand viewers. Um, if we look at it from last week, uh, NXT drew an average of uh, eight hundred and forty-five thousand viewers, up four point three percent from eight hundred and ten. Uh, viewers from last week. Now, AEW definitely had a bigger dip uh, last week uh, with uh, 663,000 last week, but they were back up, and they ended up beating, like I said, uh, with 851,000, so they were up 28%. uh, So both of them gained, uh, AEW and and NXT are both looking like they're cruising at a very similar uh, area, and and I think that's good. I think that they'll get more competitive. Hopefully they'll get better with some of their, you know, their faults uh, with NXT. I would like to see them on the road soon in the future. You can come back to the Performance Center, but I think it would help them out to try to get to a little bit bigger places and get this thing going uh, and just, you know, kind of have a bigger set, I would say, is their biggest thing visually. But with AEW, they got to get their production issues in order, and they got to try to start exposing some people that don't get exposed as much. Um, but even that, other than that, I mean – Good shit all around. Love it. Uh, Chris, what do you have to say about the ratings? Yeah, I would say the big thing about AEW's numbers last week is I think it, uh, by this week's number, it's kind of proven that a lot of people, younger people, checked out and did shit for the holiday. That's kind of what it seems like. Either that or a lot of them decided they wanted to see what the aftermath of SummerSlam was. But then that would have reflected yep. in the next number this week, which it didn't. So I would say the, the AEW audience is more likely to go drink before Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's, that's my guess on what happened. Maybe watch the shit on DVR later. Um, all, all jokes aside with that, these numbers are going to be, I think, neck and neck for a while. I did the funniest thing I saw on Twitter today was someone said <laughs> Conrad Thompson doing it. Two two weeks with Triple H, so we'll see if the trend continues. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't think I don't think it's going to be that. I, the numbers are obviously very close, and I think they can sway based on what's going to be in the program. But what we're getting as wrestling fans is two great shows, and I'm pretty sure that most of the fans that are watching NXT are probably also watching at least some AEW in some format. And uh, also we get South Park afterwards. So it's like fucking, it's just so great. Wednesday nights are so great, man. Let's talk about how great Wednesdays are. <laughs> oh, God, that was such a funny episode with Scott Malcolmson. Anyways, 
Guys, uh, it's that time. And that's the bottom line. Just don't go We got to the end of another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We got some cool stuff coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, for the end of the year, and also since the end of the decade, we're going to try to uh, incorporate some lists, uh, whether it be top wrestlers, uh, top uh, pay-per-views, top whatever. We're going to do some shows devoted to that. Um, And don't expect us to have a show on Saturday, because it doesn't look like there will be anything besides SmackDown to cover, and usually that's not going to be worth it. So we'll be back next week. We'll get all that uh, strategized and figured out, give you guys some good content over the holidays. Uh, like I said, if you are a new listener, go to Geek Vibes Nation. That's Geek Vibes Nation. GeekVibesNation.com. You'll find uh, news, articles for wrestling, comic books, comic book movies, video games, a lot of different geek-related things. Uh, you can also find uh, links to our Instagram. You can find links to our Twitter and our Facebook at Geek Vibes Nation. And if you don't want to listen to us live on Blog Top, which if you do, we are live, like I said, Thursday, 7 p.m. EST, and Saturdays at noon if we have a follow-up show. Uh, but we are also on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes and every other major audio platform. So come check us out. Thank you again for listening. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to the wonderful folks. And, um, you know, if you've got a hockey show coming up, let the guys know about it. <laughs> So we didn't miss a week with the holidays. Everyone was gone, but we're back uh, this weekend. We'll have a show posted up for you guys at Skates to Throats. Uh, it's the Skates to Throats podcast. You can also find that on Stitcher, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're getting your podcasts from. We're also part of the Geek Vibes Nation, as uh, Dane referenced earlier. And uh, looking forward to doing the end of the year show with you, bud. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And I uh, hope everybody has a great week, man. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter and at Christopher R. Patton on Facebook. And you can find me at Dane Alves on Facebook. Uh, and, you know, also, just a cheap little plug, if you guys like The Mandalorian, or uh, the newest episode of it, and The Irishman, I covered them on Monday Suck. Just look up Monday Suck or through Geek Vibes Nation on any of those audio platforms I went over. Uh, or you can find it on Blog Talk as well. So thank you guys so much. You guys have a wonderful night, and let the geek vibes be with you. Hey, monkeys, it's me, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you monkeys... Well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang!